two women are sitting down for coffee, and they're catching up, and one of them is really struggling in her marriage. She and her husband have been growing more distant from each other. He's been working overtime for months and increasingly staying later and later, and she's spending most nights home alone now with the kids. Communication has tanked, intimacy has tanked, and now she's starting to wonder if he even loves her. And on top of that, an old boyfriend from school has found her online, and they've been having some messaging back and forth. And he let her know that he's coming out next week to be in town for a business trip, and he'd love to just grab a coffee and catch up. She's confused. She's conflicted. She doesn't know what to do. Her friend is about to give her very dangerous advice. Two young men are hanging out. They're college buddies who happen to work at the same office building, and they've been pretty busy, so they haven't caught up in a while. So they're sitting down and talking life. And one of the guys shares about his relationship with his new girlfriend. He really, really, really likes her. They have just barely got to know each other, but he's already thinking about asking her to move in with him. He's not sure yet. Well, his friend's about to give him very dangerous advice. And you'll find this dangerous advice on coffee mugs and t-shirts and in movies and books and music and advice columns. You'll find it in memes. You'll find it all over Pinterest boards. You'll even hear this dangerous advice from friends and counselors and leaders. What is this dangerous advice? How many think you might know what it is? Okay. Here's what those friends are about to say. They're going to say, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Or maybe it sounds like this. What does your heart say? Or what is your heart telling you? It's a common and well-intentioned saying. It sounds good at first. It sounds appealing, but it's dangerous. And unfortunately, this saying has become a form of doctrine, sort of a creed for humanity. It's a form of human-centric gospel. And this is a a phrase that's one of a handful of culturally common phrases that we hear all the time. I've said them, you've said them, we probably have all heard them in our life, that if you really start to stop for a moment and think through the biblical mindset and go, wait a minute, did God actually say that? Is that really true to Scripture? Can that be backed up by God's Word? Is there any pushback to these statements that we just hear and receive and pass on without any thought? Well, we're in this teaching series called Good Sayings Gone Bad, where we're looking at a handful of some of the most common sayings that are out there that we've heard, we've said, we've passed on, it's been passed on to us, to discern if they're really biblical. Why does this even matter? Because God has called us to be givers and receivers of His truth. And often we accidentally spread false theology and false doctrine, and false hope to others by contributing to the adoption of these ideas that aren't actually true and they aren't actually biblical. And the reason this is important is because what we believe determines how we act. And if we're rooting our beliefs in something that's false, that's not true in the eyes of God, then this can lead us into error, which can actually stunt our spiritual growth, distort our view of God, hurt our relationships with other people, hurt our relationship with God, even impact our eternity. God tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. So we want to be alert to not let philosophical and spiritual error and human tradition deceive us away from Christ 
and His words. And as we look at the saying today, just follow your heart, you need to know that God never said that. That's not a Bible verse. You're not going to find this in Scripture. In fact, we'll actually find a lot of the opposite. And so this is dangerous advice. And I want to explain why this is dangerous advice by answering four basic and simple questions. The first question will be this. What is the heart? When we say, don't follow your heart, what are we talking about? Well, obviously, this little shape uh, gets a lot of airtime right now, right? We have emojis, and you know you can write it. This, this, this little shape gets a lot of airtime. What is the heart? Now, we know that it's not the physical organ that pumps blood. But the Hebrew word in scriptures, the vav, the, the Greek word in scriptures, cardia, both ancient and modern people understand that the heart is the epicenter of our emotions, of our longings, of our passions, of our attitudes, of our characters, of our affections. And so the heart uh, determines what direction we're going to go when we make decisions, and we let our impulses and our feelings typically dictate what we want to do. So we understand this heart of ours is really the epicenter of our longings and our affections and our desires. That's the first question. Really simple, short, and sweet. Second question we're going to hang out on a little bit more. Why shouldn't we follow our heart? I mean, if we think about it, there's times when we feel like our heart has, you know, done us right. But I think if we're honest, we know there's times when our heart has done us wrong. So why shouldn't we follow our heart? Well, here's the thing. When someone says, follow the heart, you're really basically saying that you believe the heart is all good, that the heart can't fail you, that the heart has no flaws. If you say follow your heart, then you're setting your heart up as the ultimate authority. You're setting your heart and your emotions and your impulses up as the, the source, the, the energy, whatever, that's never going to lead you astray. But we all know that's not true. We're all smart enough to know that's not the case. So when you look at the word heart, by the way, it's, it's over like 900 times in the Bible. You know, God made our hearts. He understands our hearts. He, he knows what's in our hearts. And so let's get to understand what God wants us to know about our hearts. And when you hear how God speaks about our hearts, you get a really quick dose of why we shouldn't follow the heart. There's one primary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a lot of verses today. I'm just going to warn you now. But there's one primary section I want you guys to open to and look at today. And it's found in Jeremiah chapter 17. So open up your Bibles or Bible apps to Jeremiah 17. And one core verse to this message today is going to be found in Jeremiah 17.9. This is where God speaks through this prophet this man who's communicating from the Lord. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, there is this verse. And I invite you to read it out loud with me, please. It says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I've never seen that on a Pinterest board. <laughs> I've seen lots of cute pictures. You know, follow your heart. Let your heart be your compass. Your heart will never lead you astray. What your heart say, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've never seen the heart's deceitfully wicked. Don't pay any attention to it. Never seen that. This is what God wants to know about our hearts. They're deceitful. They're sick. They're contaminated by sin. The reason we can't follow our heart is because it's diseased with sin and can't be trusted. It's contaminated. And because of that, our hearts are untrustworthy and unreliable guides. Our hearts are rebellious. Our hearts are defiant. Our hearts are deceptive. Our hearts are manipulative. Our hearts have been corrupted by sin and are biased. Your heart is biased towards sin and selfishness. 
I mean, you don't have to, you know, I've said this many times, you don't have to learn that too long whenever you're with a little child, right? We just, we're bent towards selfishness. We're bent towards sinful choices and behaviors. You know what God said about the heart before he flooded the world? That was a major cataclysmic world historical event when he flooded the world. And we find an account in Genesis chapter 8. Here's what he says about the heart. God says the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. From early on, our heart will start to be this guide that takes us down the wrong path. And someone said, when someone says to me, like, oh, just follow your heart, I want to be like, no, don't follow your heart, because if you follow your heart, it's going to take you to Vegas. And then you're going to want to do anything you can do in Vegas, <laughs> sin it up, hope whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and you're not accountable to anything. That, that's what's going to happen if you try to follow your heart. We need to question our heart. Its inner motives are not good. Listen to how Jesus diagnoses the human heart. This is going to be a glorious, beautiful description of our hearts. Mark 7, 21-23, Jesus says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. That's how Jesus diagnosed our hearts. He didn't even just say, oh, by the way, your hearts are bad. He got specific and gave this list of things that we need to be on guard against that, that inhabit our heart and that our heart will want to lead us in. Now, if we're wise and we're honest, we can, we can see that about our hearts. Now, some of you might be thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying this whole heart thing. Hey, look. Would you speak out loud everything your heart has thought in the last 48 hours of your life? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Would you act on every impulse your heart has put in your brain over the last 48 hours of your life? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. We know our hearts. We sense it. We know our hearts. So why would we tell people, follow your heart when we can't trust the sucker, right? <laughs> Adolf Hitler, Attila the Hun, Mary I of England, Genghis Khan, Jeffrey Dahmer, Nero, Jim Jones, Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, Pol Pot, Judas of Iscariot, Joseph Stalin, Margaret Sanger. Just a short list of names on history's bad list. You know what they all have in common? They followed their heart. They followed their heart. And look at the atrocities that they committed because they followed their heart. And some of us are going, like, but I, I'm not like those people. I would never be in that list. Look, we have the same capacity to do the atrocities that they did. You can't let your heart guide you and indulge in everything that it wants to lead you in. There's a phrase that some of you have heard that, that you know, relating the heart is a problem. It's something like this. The heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. Or the heart of every human problem is the problem of the human heart. A man named John Bloom, pastor, author, speaker, wrote a book called Don't Follow Your Heart. And he says multiple things about the heart. I just plucked some of these out. I'm just categorizing this as why it's dangerous to follow your heart. He says, your heart has sociopathic tendencies. <laughs> Never seen that on Pinterest either. <laughs> or a t-shirt or a coffee mug. Your heart has likely said things today that you would not wish to repeat. 
my heart likes to think the best of me and the worst of others. Unless those others happen to think well of me, then they're wonderful people. Right? <laughs> it's our heart. That's our heart. And while my heart is pondering my virtues and others' errors, it can suddenly find some immoral or horribly angry thought very attractive. Our hearts are pathologically selfish. That's a great, I'd like to see that on a mug. Okay? If we do what our hearts tell us to do, we will pervert and impoverish every desire, every beauty, every person, every wonder, and every joy. Our hearts want to consume these things for our own self-glory and self-indulgence. Our hearts are never meant to be gods in whom we believe, but to believe in God. Our hearts are never designed to be followed. They were designed to be what? Led. Our hearts are designed to be led. You know what? Our hearts are not going to save us. We need to be saved from our hearts. And that's exactly why Jesus Christ came, to save us from the condition that we see dominating our hearts. I want to illustrate what I'm talking about in a unique way, all right? Um, a lot of you are familiar with the compass. The compass has a true north. And it always is pointing north. When God created us, our relationship with Him and our desire to do what pleases Him is our true north. That's still our true north. But like a magnet, sin comes in. And sin disrupts the true north. Sin starts to freak out the system, if you will. And now, instead of wanting to do what God wants to do, this little compass just wants to go wherever it wants to go. And it points out not what's true, not what's right, but just what we want. A lot of you are familiar with the movies of the Pirates of the Caribbean and all those movies. There's a fictional character there named Jack Sparrow, right? And he's got this little magical toy, this little magical compass that always points toward what he wants. And so he just follows the compass to go wherever it takes him. In our sinful state, at the moment of the fall of mankind, the sin broke the true north in our heart, and now our heart's compass, if you will, wants to lead us to whatever we want instead of to God. We don't want God. We want all these other things, if you will. I want more money. If I just can get more money, I know that this new job opportunity is probably going to hurt my family. It's probably going to rob me from my family, but just I need, I want more money, so I'm going to take it. I, I want this relationship. Like, my common sense says this is not a good thing. My gut says this isn't a good thing. My Christian friends say this isn't a good thing. But, man, I really want this relationship. I, I want the approval of other people. I want this person as a trophy. I need them to be complete. So, so even though I, it's against my values, God's probably not pleased, I'm going to go after that relationship because it's what I want. And now we just follow whatever the heart wants. And no longer is it wanting the true north of Christ can't follow our hearts. We can't simply trust our hearts. We know our trust and our heart is dangerous. Our hearts are always changing. You change your mind. Your emotional state changes. Your preferences are always in a state of flux. Your heart can lead you into a relationship you really shouldn't be in. It can lead you to make friends with people who are not good influences in your life. It can lead you into unwise or damaging financial decisions or behaviors or choices. Can't Trust our natural heart. It's flawed. And as God says, it's sick. It's deceptive. It has wickedness. So following your heart is dangerous advice. So if we answer the question, what is our heart, and we have a better understanding that our heart is basically the epicenter of our longings, our desires, our emotions, and all those type words, 
We understand that we can't follow this critter because it's going to lead us down somewhere that we probably shouldn't go in its fallen state. Then who are we to follow? That's the third question we need to ask ourselves. Then who are we to follow? Because even the very word follow means that our hearts want to be led. Our hearts long to be led. Well, we need to follow God's heart. We need to follow God's heart. We trust in God's heart over our own. We trust in God's thoughts over our own. We trust in God's ways over our own. When we try to follow the Lord, we're really seeking out Him as our true north again to follow His heart. You know, if you look back at Jeremiah again, chapter 17, verse 9 gives us this diagnosis of the human heart. But if you back it up two verses to 17.7, we see how to counter that. Or if you were to look in the order of those verses, we see where we're supposed to be, but why we depart from it. And so 9 makes us go away from 7. But what does 7 say? 17.7 says, Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Man, when, when we trust the Lord, when we trust His heart, when we follow Him in His heart, that's where we need to be. God created us in His image. God created us in His likeness. And we're to reflect God's character. We're to reflect God's holiness. But sin broke that reflection. But it didn't break the original image. God's perfect. God's holy. God's pure. His heart is perfect. It's flawless. We can trust His heart. Nobody wants the best for you like God does. God is for you, not against you. Like you think you want your best interest? You don't have your own best interest and God has your best interest in heart. And so we have to trust his heart. Well, how? How do we follow after the Lord's heart? This is, gonna, this is probably going to make some of you roll your eyes because you're like, oh, we've heard this so many times. It's just tried and true. We've talked about this before. If you want to get healthy, you want to lose weight, you know what your doctor's going to tell you? He's going to tell you two things. What is it? Eat well and exercise. So every time you go to the doctor and you're not happy with your numbers, you're not happy with what you feel, you know what he's going to say to you. You need to eat better. You need to exercise. Like That's no shocker, right? If our hearts are leading us astray, if we're letting this little sucker direct us away from the Lord, you know where we have to go. We've got to spend time in God's Word. We've got to be led by God's Spirit. And we've got to make sure that our primary relationships are God's people. It's the same. It's, it's so classically um, standard, that, but we move away from it. So if you want to know how to follow God's heart, you've got to be in His Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 reminds us that all the Bible, all Scripture is, is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, the Bible, God's perfect word, captures his heart. And when we spend time in God's word, we're spending time in God's heart. When you're not spending time in God's word, you are avoiding God's heart. You have no idea what's on God's heart because you're not in God's word. And so his word is a direct download to the heart. And we see it over and over and over again. People who don't want God meddling in their life just close their Bibles, leave them far away from them. Or we just find ourselves so busy, so preoccupied, so distracted, we start to have all these life decisions, life issues that we have to make, but we get conflicted and stuck. We're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? In the meantime, our Bibles are closed, and we don't have anything coming from God's Word into our life. We've shut out the very voice that we need to follow most. And then, you know, the world's there. You're going to look at all, you can find all sorts of advice online. I don't recommend you follow it. There's going to be lots of people in your life. They'll give you advice. You really think you want to follow other people who are following this, right? 
Hey, they're, they're, they're Jeremiah 17, 9, too. And they're saying, well, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. And like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then we start to surround ourselves with people who say what we want them to say. We want to hear what they're going to say because we know what God has to say. And so we need to spend time in God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. Don't you love that? The Bible's not some dusty old relic. It's not this ancient book that's irrelevant. It's alive. It's active. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the, what? Heart. We open the Bible. We spend time in God's word because doing that helps us see and sense God's discernment of what's going on in our heart. And it helps us follow his heart. So we need his truth over our feelings. We need his truth over our emotions. We need his truth over our instincts and our impulses. What God says should always rule over what does my heart say. Also, we need to be led by God's spirit. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. It's so cool when you really understand the theology of what happens when you place your faith in Christ. When you come to that moment where you acknowledge that you are sinful and broken, that your heart is wicked and sinful, and when you admit it to God, not that he doesn't know, it's, it's not a news flash, it's not like a brand new tweet, God's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know your heart was messed up, thanks for letting me know. He knows our hearts, and when he, when he hears us admit, I'm sinful, I'm broken, I need you. And then we see Christ on the cross. Like, for all of you who are Christians, do you remember like one of the first moments where you saw the image of Jesus hanging on the cross and it finally like clicked going, he's hanging on the cross for my sin. Like every gross thing I've ever done, every gross attitude I've ever had, every gross action I've ever participated is right now nailed to him on the cross. That's my Savior. He's dying for my sins, all my sin, all the ickiness in my heart is, is on him on the cross, and he dies taking that to the grave with him. Man, what a, what a powerful understanding of the cross. It's not some just cute little piece of jewelry that we wear just because, oh yeah, I kind of associate with this people group. It's a reminder of what Jesus did for us. And then we understand what he did when he rose from the grave. When the devil was laughing, thinking he won. When his enemies were laughing, thinking he won. And Jesus goes, you were laughing just a little too soon. And he kicks that stone away from the grave and rises from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death. And when you come to that understanding and you believe in Jesus' death on the cross for your sins, you believe in his resurrection from the grave for eternity, forgiveness, for heaven. When that moment happens, it says here, the Holy Spirit of God will come to live inside of your heart. The God who created the universe moves in to your heart through his Holy Spirit. And he dwells there. And guess what he does? He will lead you. See what it says here? He will lead you in the truth and guide you in the truth. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. The reason so many of us got ourselves in trouble is because the Holy Spirit was trying to lead us and we're like, la, 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 I'm not listening. Because I, because it's not what I want. I want this instead. And we, we close off the spirit and we don't listen to true north and we just follow 
our hearts instead of the Spirit. If you want to follow God's heart, you have to follow the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Also, you have to follow the counsel of God's people. You've got to follow the counsel of God's people. Now look, we know that not every Christian is going to give great advice because we all have the same heart condition, right? But here's what you do know about your fellow Christians. If they love Jesus, and if they want in their life what Jesus wants in their life, and if they want in your life what Jesus wants for your life, they can pray for you, they can encourage you, they can love you, they can like, encourage you, and they can also confront you. I hope you guys know that when you join the body of Christ, you're not just looking for people to say what you want them to say. You're inviting yourself to a family who can say, like, look, I really care a lot about you and your family. I need to tell you something. That thing you're doing, stop it. It's not pleasing to God, it's not good for you, and it's hurting the people who love you most. That's what the church does. The church doesn't go like, hey, I'm not here to judge. You just do your thing, I'll do my thing, and we'll just sing songs on Sunday. That's great. Have a great week. That's not the church. When you look at verses like Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise guidance you can wage war. And in the abundance of counselors there is what? Victory. And I would add an abundance of wise counselors. You and I all do the same thing. When we know we're going to go the wrong way, we try to pick voices that will endorse it. And we avoid the voices that will not. If you want to follow God's heart, you've got to follow those who also are pursuing God's heart. The reason some of you are struggling so much, the reason some of you are suffering so much is because the primary relationships in your life don't love Jesus. They don't even know Jesus. And you are allowing their counsel to guide your heart. Bad move. You need to let those who love Christ come around and say, I want to pray with you about this. Let's go to God's word together about this. Let's, let's talk about this together. What would God want in this situation? If you want to follow God's heart, follow his word, follow his spirit, follow his people. The fourth question is going to be an interesting question because we've asked about what our heart is. We've asked about why we shouldn't follow it. We asked about <laughs> uh, what should we follow instead. Here's the fourth question. Can I trust the converted heart more? Because I know where some of you are. You're like, wait a minute here. I'm new in Christ. He's given me a new heart. So can't I trust the heart at all? Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Christ now. We know 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's gone. The new's come. Like, if you, if you look at Ezekiel 36.26, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart, a new spirit I'm going to put within you. I will remove your heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He's going to take the heart of stone that's defiant and rebellious and resistant, and he's going to, when you come to Christ, he does this heart procedure, and he makes it a tender heart that's now responsive to him, which before was unresponsive. A heart that was unable to obey, he makes it able to obey. The heart that had no interest in God and his ways now has an interest in God and his ways. So can't we trust the converted heart more? Yes, you can, just not fully. You can trust the converted heart more than the unconverted heart, just not fully. Because we're all in this process of what's called sanctification, right? When you invite Christ into your life, and Jesus takes up residence inside of you. He gives you a new heart. And so in one sense, you have a new heart now, and its appetites and desires have changed. But on the other hand, he's also making your heart new. It's a process. We're all under construction. 
And so, yes, you can trust the converted heart more. You just can't trust it fully because we still live with sin and we're still surrounded by a world of sin. So you can trust your converted heart, your what we would call regenerated, you know, newly born heart more. You just can't trust it fully. You know what that means? It means this, and this is our life message today. The only heart that can be fully trusted is God's. The only heart that can be fully trusted is God's. So when someone says, like, well, hey, my heart says this, you kind of want to be like, can I fully trust your heart? <laughs> no. When you have this instinct inside, well, my heart says this, can you fully trust that? No. God's heart's the only one we can fully trust. And so if we're living the best we can in obedience to the Lord, under the direction of His Word, under His Spirit, in community with other Christians, we can trust more confidently that we're following what the Lord wants for our life. You just can't trust it fully. Well, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, one, some of you watching online, some of you here right now, maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Jesus is offering you a new heart. He's offering you a way out of that Jeremiah 17, 9 heart to this Jeremiah 17, 7 heart, which if you read into 17, 8, which will give you a flourishing in your life. But you have to come to that place. He's not, he's, he's not going to play games with you. You have to come to that place where you say, I'm broken, I'm lost, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that my heart's wrong. And then you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in his death on the cross. You believe in his resurrection. And then you commit your life to following him. You commit your life to following God's heart. If you've never done that, you can do that today. You just tell the Lord, something like what I just told you. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe in Christ. I turn from my sins. And I'm going to commit my life to following Jesus. Come into my life, Lord. Make my heart new. If you do that, we want to walk with you. You have a response card in your program. There's a spot there that says, I'm receiving Christ. If you need Christ today, mark that box. Put an email or an address down there so we can get in touch with you. And we'll reach out to you and say, here's what it means to follow God's heart. Here's what it means to have a relationship with Christ, and we'll help you grow in this new relationship. If you're online, you can connect with us at connect at cvconline.org. And for the rest of us that already know the Lord, what do we do with this? I encourage you to pursue a more biblically correct piece of advice that you give or that you respond to. So instead of just follow your heart, we've got to tweak that to maybe say something like this. What's God speaking into my heart? What is God speaking into your heart? What does God say about this issue? What's God say about this situation? Maybe you would say, how is the Holy Spirit leading my heart? How is the Holy Spirit leading your heart? Ask yourself what godly counsel will several other mature Christians give you on this type of situation. So don't settle for that just follow your heart business anymore. Follow God's heart. It's the only one you can fully trust anyways. Amen?